This episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by Simply Liturgical Music. Simply Liturgical Music is the liturgical music platform that is reimagining the industry. Browse, purchase, and download brand new affordable music in minutes. Print or download as much as needed with lifetime access to all purchases. Whether it's psalms, hymns, mass settings, or other ritual music, SLM has music composed by a growing network of talented composers from all over the world. Ministry Monday listeners can receive $10 off Advent or Christmas music when using code YEARC2021. Again, that's YEARC2021. Explore our digital catalog at slmusic.org. Simply Liturgical Music, reimagining the industry. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 173 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy, produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you're new to the podcast, hi, hello. We are so glad that you're tuning in with us. Each week, Ministry Monday offers a podcast episode for the church music minister on topics that seek to help you learn, grow, challenge, and inspire. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us. Today is the final week of a four-week mini-series focusing on the singing priest. Last week, we heard from Father Michael Stumpf, who is the pastor at Mary Queen of Peace Parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Today, we hear from a different Michael, Michael Olbash, who is the director of sacred music at St. John Seminary in Boston, Massachusetts, and Pope St. John XXIII National Seminary in Weston, Massachusetts. It's clear that Michael's expertise lies well within the support musical and liturgical education of clergy in the church today, which you will hear in just a moment. Michael and I discussed practical tips for the increasing confidence in singing for clergy and how we can deepen that trust and relationship between clergy and music minister. To close out this four-part series on the singing priest, Michael discusses the need post-pandemic to address and heal the wounds for ministers and clergy over the last 18 months of work. How do we support each other? And as pastoral musicians, how do we support ourselves? Today on Ministry Monday, I am speaking to Michael Olbash. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hi, Amanda. Nice to join you. 
I am so grateful that you agreed to speak with me today to talk about the singing priest. So before we get started, where do you currently serve in your position, or I should say positions? Yes, I serve in the Archdiocese of Austin at both of our diocesan seminaries. One is St. John's Seminary in Brighton. That's our sort of regional diocesan seminary for young men discerning a vocation to the priesthood. And then also at Pope St. John the 23rd National Seminary in Weston, Massachusetts. And that is the seminary for later vocations, men aged 35 to 60 who are called to the priesthood later in life. What are your different roles in both the regional and the national seminary? In both seminaries, I uh, help the men sing the liturgy well. So I accompany a daily mass, morning prayer, evening prayer, holy hours. And I instruct the seminarians on how to sing the mass, how to sing the chants of the Roman Missal, uh, and, and some of the nuts and bolts that perhaps they don't teach you in theology class about how to manage a parish music program when they are assigned someplace. So let's let's stay right there, actually, if you don't mind. So you mentioned that you help you help them sing the liturgy well. What what does that mean to you? It means to me that they're not simply singing at mass, uh, but that they're singing the mass. We come from a long tradition of uh, singing devotional hymns at low mass, which is great and holy and good, uh, but it's sort of the equivalent of praying the rosary during mass or uh, visiting a, a shrine and lighting a candle at, at your, the saints uh, or, or praying the stations of the cross during mass. But uh, to, to, to go to a new level of singing where we're not just singing at mass, but singing the mass is, is a way of, for a priest to unite his mind to the mind of Christ when he's celebrating the liturgy and, and uh, to be able to sing the words of the liturgy rather than uh, simply speak them uh, gives the words a new dimension. So give us a context, if you don't mind, as to when you start to work with seminarians to adapt, if it's okay for me to say this, adapt this mindset shift of really singing the mass versus singing at mass. Um, have you ever had any priests who maybe have struggled with confidence in terms of their singing? Absolutely. Uh, the first thing that I do is to uh, find out those, those men who perhaps have voices that are a bit lower or a bit higher than average, and they have never quite understood why their voices don't fit in when they sing in a group. Uh, so to help them find where their voice rings comfortably, where the average priest might be comfortable singing, the Lord be with you. There might be one that might feel comfortable singing, the Lord be with you. And <laughs> yes. it needs, he, he needs to be taught that it's okay to sing down that, that low and people will appreciate and respond. Uh, they love it when their priest sings. It's okay to sing that. The other thing that I find a, a challenge for priests who may be new to singing or seminarians who are new to singing the mass is learning the, um, the la to soul interval. So to go from in the name of the father and of the son. And I always teach them the eye of the tiger. <laughs> so I think I have these young formed priests all over the country now who are thinking, dan, 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 dan. 
but really <laughs> to get that la so in your head in a, in a place that's comfortable for your voice uh, instantly gives it a, a more medieval or ancient tone than just singing a, a, a minor third. La da, doorbell, mm -hmm. that's, that's pleasant, but la da da, la so la is, is really connecting to the Gregorian modes and the, the ancient chants of the church. Uh, so I find that's a good first step with them. Do you find that la sol la interval as well um, recurring in the Roman Missal chants that clergy learn? Yes, all the time. Uh, the, the sign of the cross, the collect, the, the, and the other presidential prayers. Um, and then we advance to the third form of the penitential act where we have the law and the soul, we add big bad me underneath. Uh, <laughs> you were sent to heal the contrite of heart, Lord have mercy. So that's the next step that I would add to them. Uh, and then learning the prefaces, which adds fa to the mix. And uh, so there's, there's definitely a, a progression as you learn the missal, culminating of course with the great uh, Exultate for Easter, which is, is really a difficult piece of music. Uh, but if you approach it systematically, it's really not all that hard. I think if we could stay on the Exultate for just one second, I think that the Exultate, I think is very, I think it's, it's, it's scope, it's, it's duration, if you will. I think itself can be intimidating, but you're right. There is a pattern, if you will, or a, a form to it that once you get it, it's actually quite quite manageable with practice. Yes, you're right. And the length is, is something to consider because most untrained singers aren't accustomed to singing for six or seven minutes straight without yes. a break. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. On the exultant in particular, um, some of the melismatic phrases like this is, this is the night. Do you ever find that some of the clergy who have untrained voices um, kind of break up that melismatic sound with kind of an aspirant H in between, like this. Do you have anything like that that you ever experience? Yes, exactly. And uh, unfortunately, I think that the modern round note notation in the Roman Missal is one of the reasons for that, because it looks like five distinct notes, uh, whereas the square notation that you would see in older Vatican notation uh, it looks like one unit with five parts to it. Uh, so I, I encourage the priests and the seminarians to, whenever they can, to use the four line square note notation, which is a, a bit more intuitive and, and helps you sing uh, phrases rather than individual notes. That's such a good distinction to make, especially for clergy who may not be trained singers, at least initially. Um, to kind of see it as an entire phrase versus note by note. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I want to go back on one thing that you said before. You mentioned something that I would love to explore just a little bit. Of course, um, like, like, like anyone, lay people or clergy, um, clergy do have sometimes lower voices, for example, or higher voices. Um, I've experienced both in my time as a pastoral musician. Do you find that anything's ever too low or too high for a congregation when a clergy person provides that introductory tone? Well, fortunately, the scope uh, or the, the range of these chants are so small that if, for instance, there was one pastor I 
worked with who sang everything about an octave lower than I would. So rather than try to match him in his own octave, I would just sing above. So he would sing, the Lord be with you. Mm. And I'd respond, and with your spirit. And I find congregations kind of automatically as, as a default do that uh, when the priest is singing out of their range. There's one instance though I have found in my experiences where um, maybe the range is a little bit wider than a typical, like, you know, a, you know introductory preface where um, during the Ite Misa Est on Easter Sunday, that um, the, uh, the mass ended going peace, hallelujah, hallelujah. I've had priests start like, the masses and they go in peace. And then whenever you get to the end, it's like, oh, and, and you have, you know, the, these large packed Easter crowds so encouraged by singing, but also it might be a little bit too high. So what do you do in situations like that that maybe help um, someone like a clergy member find that middle ground, if you will? Ah, yes. Well, I, I think something like that really ought to be rehearsed ahead of time. And mm. A, a good organist or, or accompanist of some sort can uh, play a short intonation to yes. give the priest a, a, a range that's going to be comfortable for his voice, but also reasonable for everyone else's voice. Th that Ite Misa S that you mentioned, it's, it's sort of like happy birthday, isn't it? Sometimes <laughs> people start it too high and then they get to right. happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear somebody. You never quite get to that high note. But I find the same thing happens on Easter. So we pastoral musicians can really hit that off at the pass by a, a, a short little intonation that sort of sets the, the tone for the priest. And I think it continues the conversation that I had last week with Father Michael Stumpf, who's a priest from Pittsburgh, about the same thing of the relationship between the pastoral musician and the clergy. Uh, I, I hate to be so blunt, Michael, but the Ite Mesa Est on Easter is not a surprise. And so that's something right. that, like, like you said, we could rehearse and we could just quietly on maybe an eight-foot flute just give that initial tone that would maybe be best for the clergy member and the congregation. Precisely. And it may not be the first thing on Father's mind on Easter Sunday morning, <laughs> yes. uh, but that's our job as the musicians to think about those things and kind of see where the potential pitfalls are and quietly do what we do uh, to make sure that it's, it all comes off successfully. You mentioned too at the beginning that you work with clergy members, both at the local and the national seminaries that you work at, that you assist in with helping clergy interact with and work well with their music program once they get assigned to wherever they are assigned. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, sure. I, I think that the, the responsibility we have at the seminary is to make sure that our priests understand what the liturgical expectations are so uh, that they have a good grounding in the liturgy documents, the, the uh, Sacrosanctum Concilium, the general instruction of the Roman Missal, right up to what uh, bishops are writing these days. So, so first they need to understand what it is that pastoral musicians do. The second thing they need to understand is, are they working with volunteers or professionals? And how much is reasonable to expect from each of them? How to decide uh, if a professional could benefit or a volunteer could benefit from additional training? 
um, how to make that kind of uncomfortable decision where uh, the musician and the, the pastor don't see eye to eye and you have to part ways. Um, just helping these folks navigate that because they didn't become priests to become managers of corporations. They came to save souls and to bring the sacraments to the faithful. So uh, sometimes we need to give them a little helping hand in that department. I'm so glad you said that because I've said that myself for a very long time that, uh, you know, priests don't become priests to become, you know, managers of corporations. I've said that so many times. Yes, um, yes. But that is so the reality, though, in so many dioceses, especially. I mean, I, I'm currently in the Diocese of Pittsburgh, and we're currently going through a large consolidation um, where a lot of priests are taking on maybe more administrative roles, or sorry, administrative roles. <laughs> and so I'm so glad that you have those conversations with them, because the relationship between a clergy member and a pastoral musician is so important, because we work with clergy so much. I mean, funerals, weddings, of course, weekend masses. We are with them on a practical basis, I think, dare I say it, more than many other staff members. We are really, we're in the trenches, if you will, with them liturgically. We're supporting them. We are indeed, and we know what it's like to be at three or four masses on a weekend or even more, and how draining that can be uh, I, I think it's important for musicians to remind their pastors that we need to take care of ourselves spiritually as well, that we're often uh, on, that, on those front lines dealing with parishioners and people coming and introducing themselves to us. Um, it's, it's good for musicians to demand the same kind of retreats and pastoral care that any priest would be entitled to, but to take, take care that we too are staying close to the sacraments and, and not just uh, uh, checking in and checking out. Retreats for pastoral musicians, my goodness. That is so <laughs> important. And I know too in pastoral music, it is so difficult, I think, to often commit to a certain day of the week that we take as our Sabbath, since of course Sundays are quite often so heavily involved with work. And yes. I know again too, I've really struggled to find retreat time for myself because why is it, Michael, that I feel like every time I schedule something for myself, we get a funeral or we get two funerals on that day. You know what I mean? It seems to be the way it is. And then sometimes mm -hmm. you just have to say, call call your colleague down the road and say, <laughs> this has to be my Amanda day and, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. and take care of yourself. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. I'm so glad you brought that up too. Pastoral musicians and clergy both work hard. And I will say too, I really think that anyone, anyone ministering in the church has worked even harder in the past year and a half in light of the COVID-19 pandemic and mental health and taking that personal and spiritual renewal time is so important. So thank you for bringing that up. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, you know, I was just at an ordination a few months ago in Rochester uh, and uh, the, the bishop spoke so movingly about the mission that we really have as a church post-pandemic to, to heal, I think we're only just beginning to realize the, the emotional and spiritual wounds that have really been opened up over the past year and a half and, and how the church is providing a service that no one else can mm. uh, to, to people as they heal and move forward. 
providing a service that no one else can. Yes, agreed. So I have one question left for you, Michael, before we wrap up today. So I understand that when I ask you this, you have not worked with the person that I'm about to describe, but let's just say someone's listening to this podcast and they currently minister in a parish grouping and they are working with their clergy member. It could be pastor, parochial vicar, deacon, and they would love to encourage and support their clergy member to sing more in the liturgy, but for whatever reason, confidence, apathy, they, they, they don't necessarily want to. Do you have any tips or suggestions that pastoral musicians can use to help foster that confidence and encouragement in singing with their clergy? Well, one thing I would point them to is something that NPM offers, which is the wonderful recordings of the chants of the Roman Missal. So if you go to the NPM website, you click on formation and, and that drop down menu, there's the chants of the Roman Missal. And, and I was amazed at the very high quality of all these recordings and, and their scores right there. So you can see the notes while you're practicing. Um, I know, uh, like most men, I don't like being told I'm not good at something. So, uh, you know, sometimes if the if a priest has the opportunity to practice at home or in the car or with, with a little iPad or iPhone with these resources from NPM, that could be a way to boost confidence. Um, and, and also maybe just taking the time to uh, make an appointment in the, some sort of casual way, work on your relationship with your priest, if you're a pastoral musician, uh, it's uh, it's it's hard to get over that sensitivity about your voice if you don't trust the person that you're working with. So have coffee with the priest, hang out and do something that's not work related. Uh, let your priest know that you're an approachable.